Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. So today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Brittany of EquippingGodlyWomen.com. Brittany is actually the author of a brand new book. It's her first traditionally published book, which we're going to dig into, and it's called Fall in Love with God's Word, Practical Strategies for Busy Women. So we're going to chat all about that and traditional publishing. And Brittany also has self-published four books as well. So she's a prolific author. And I'm just so excited to welcome you, Brittany, and to talk all things, you know, writing and book marketing and strategy. So it's going to be fun. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited for this conversation in part, just because I love to chat with you. You're so fun, but also because I don't get to talk about marketing very much. And I feel like everybody in the niche that I am in, there's a lot of just writers who love writing, who, you know, do the marketing because they have to, but I actually consider myself more of a marketer who just happens to write. So I'm excited to be able to talk about that more today. Yes, it's going to be fun. Yes. Anyone who loves talking strategy, yes, it's it's always a fun time. So Brittany, I would love to hear first about the difference in experience between having a traditionally published book now versus self-publishing. Yes, that is a huge question. So I hope you're ready to hear me talk for a while. This is a great question because so many people wonder, okay, if I want to write a book, if I want to be an author, which should I do? Traditional publishing or self-publishing? And there are some very distinct pros and cons to both and reasons why you might want to do one over the other. So there's no like traditional publishing is good and self-publishing is bad or self-publishing is the only thing that works now and traditional doesn't. There are very valid reasons to do both. And I've done both and I feel like I have done both fairly well. I mean, I'm still feel like I'm just getting started, but enough that I can kind of speak to both. So when I first got started, I'll just give you a little bit of my backstory. I started not with the intent of becoming a writer. I was just like a mommy blogger. I was home. I was like, oh, I'll just write some cute little stuff online. It'll be fun. And we'll have this little website. And I loved it. Fell in love right away. And they, the internet, I'm making air quotes, internet, they said, you should have a product. And I was like, cool, I will make a product. And so I was like, oh, I'll throw together this little ebook. And I had talked to a friend who said, well, when people get ebooks, they want them to be short. They don't want to read this whole long thing. They just want something quick and actionable. And I was like, I can do quick and actionable. So I started by self-publishing just this book, literally took probably less than a month, typed something up. That would be probably the equivalent of 14, 12, I don't know how many chapters it is, about that many blog posts, put it together in a book, put a cover on it, put it on Amazon. And that was a whole strategy. We can get into that later as well, because I did actually launch that book to number one in Amazon for its category. So it was, even though it was a thrown together book, it did actually become an Amazon number one bestseller. So that's fun to talk about. But again, it was this book that... I just kind of threw together. It's not a kind of thing that I'm going to go and try to get 
national press for this like little ebook because that's just what I thought I was supposed to do. I just needed to create a product. So I did sell quite a few copies of that through some launch strategies that I used that were really fun. And then having it on my website over the course of a few years, the sales just kind of came in over years as people would come on my mailing list, find out about the book, and they'd kind of trickled it. So after that, I wrote a couple other books that didn't do nearly as well because I had followed the same sort of strategy in terms of let's throw together a book. I need to have a product. So we'll just like type something up and we'll proofread it and then we'll just put it on Amazon. And that was really all I was doing at that point because I was just told, okay, I need to have a product. So I didn't spend a lot of time in product creation, making it this amazing thing. I mean, they're good. They have a lot of good information, but they're not as good as the kinds of books. If you walk into a bookstore, you're going to find a really good book. So, I mean, they just are what they are. That was what I could do at that time. And I don't regret doing them. Like they are what they are and they have helped people and that's great, but they didn't sell very many. I was never going to be able to support my business with these little eBooks that I threw together after that. And they weren't all in the same order, but I had a, my fourth self-published book was on a whole different topic. And that one was called Strategies Worth Sharing. And that one was about Facebook for bloggers. This one was a little bit different because I don't talk about Facebook. I am a Christian living blogger. That's what I do. I'm in the Christian living space. But I was in so many blog groups with other bloggers. And at the time, and they probably still are, people were freaking out about Facebook and, oh my goodness, the algorithms, people hate me. Like, this is awful. And what do I do? Do I have the picture that's linked or do I upload a picture and include the link in the description and trying to find all of these hacks and trying to find like just all the things people were freaking out. And honestly, it was kind of annoying. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to create this product just because I see a need. I see this need. People are freaking out. It's not that complicated. I happen to have a very large Facebook following. I had, it's gone down a little since then, but I was up to like 150,000 Facebook followers, which is way beyond what I should have. So I was like, I will write this book because I'm tired of people talking about this. So please just have this book. And I feel like that is a very legit reason to pursue self-publishing. So at this point, I have four self-published books, not making a lot of money with any of them. I'm just like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. They said, I need a product. I threw together a product. I put it for sale and waited for the masses to come in and they didn't. So, okay. I also had hired a business coach around that time because I figured that's also what you do. If you want to grow and you don't know how to grow, like you hire somebody who is further ahead of you. So I hired her and I said, okay, what do I do? And she had given me the advice to not pursue traditional publishing because what she told me was that when you work with a traditional publisher, and there is some grain of truth to this, but when you work with a traditional publisher, they don't really market the book for you. They only want people who have a big platform and you have to bring this platform. And if you have that platform, you might as well just publish it yourself. So this is a lot of backstory, but we're getting to a point here. And that is that at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I'm just throwing products together. Nothing's really working. I don't know what's going on here. And then I heard from another author friend who said, hey, I'm pursuing traditional publishing and it's actually very lucrative for me. I'm really enjoying this and it's really working out. And that made me think, huh, maybe there could be something here. And what she had done was she combined traditional and self-publishing and kind of got the best of both worlds. So that's what I'm doing now. And I say all of that to say, there are reasons I have done both. There are reasons to do both. So I want to talk about a little bit the difference between why you would do traditional 
or why you would do self-publishing. So for self-publishing, it is very easy to get started and it is very cheap. If you want to write a book on a thing, you just make a book. Literally, that's what I did. You make a book and you put it on Amazon. There are some things you need to do with formatting, but that's fine. It's not really difficult and you can Google it. It's not that hard. So it's something that's very quick, very easy, very cheap, very affordable, and you can get your thing out there very quickly. If you were just starting out, like just starting out, I would probably encourage you to look into self-publishing first, just to say, okay, I have a book. I want to get my book out into the world and that's great. Self-publishing is also really wonderful if you have a very niche market. So for example, I write for Christian women. There are lots of Christian women, like that is a huge market. There's lots of demand out there. But if I was writing something about, you know, the best barbecue joint in some small town in Texas, like that's not a huge market. That would only be applicable to a small portion of people. I think about Pat from Smart Passive Income, if you're familiar with him, he wrote his first thing was on a specific exam, an architectural exam. That's not something that people all over the world need to know. There's a very small portion of people who want this thing and he can create that website and he can be that guy. So if it is something where not a lot of, there's not a lot of market and you have that market because you have that website and they come to you, then self-publishing is a good way to go. If it's something that you need to have out quickly, self-publishing is great. For example, with my Facebook book that I wrote, I would never do that traditional publishing. My traditionally published book that I'm working on right now has been almost three years in the making. So I could not write a book about Facebook and then three years later it comes out because it would all be obsolete. It wouldn't work. So there are very valid reasons why you might want to self-publish. If you have a specific market, if you just want to have a book, you've always wanted to see your name in print. If you just want like the small thing to have, there are some very good reasons. However, with traditional publishing, there are a lot of benefits with that as well. And the biggest benefit I have found is that the publisher kind of adds fuel to the fire that I already have going on. So I can create words and I can do that either way. But when I partner with them, I feel like it has created, I know it has created so much better of a product because no longer can I just type something up and throw it up on Amazon. Like I have to work with them and it goes through multiple rounds of editors through multiple people who are editing this book. I have multiple editors that I'm working with and they're coming back to me and I have to be able to defend my work in the sense of if they tell me, oh, hey, I don't like this paragraph. And I'm like, well, this paragraph is not coming out of this book. I have to be able to explain to them like, this is why I'm talking about this. This is why it has to be in here. This is why I've included this information. And especially in the Christian living niche, one fun thing that happened was they put my book under a theological review. So they had somebody who knows a lot of theology comb over my book and say, hey, you are kind of getting into this theory here or this like belief, which I didn't even know what any of them were called. But he's like, oh, you're kind of getting into this or people might think you mean this. And can you support this with scripture? So that was great just because he really got in there and how are people going to take this? And can you? And luckily everything that was in there, I was able to look up verses and be like, yeah, here's the verse, here you go, we're good. But I wouldn't have known to put all of those verses in the book and to support it that way if it hadn't been for so many people saying, I don't understand what you mean by this? Can you clarify? Can you support this? So having those multiple rounds of editors really made for a much stronger book because I had to defend, oh no, this is what I mean. I didn't mean this. Okay. Let me add this information. Okay. Let me take out this information. So many people have seen the book because it's been three years instead of three weeks. 
also the publisher has a bigger budget, which is going to depend on the publisher you work with in your platform. Everybody gets a little bit different, but my publisher has been able to, they hired a publicist for me recently. That's reaching out to a ton of podcasts. I didn't have the money to do that on my own, but the publisher is upfront paying the money to do that. So it is great to be able to partner with them that they believe in the book enough that they are paying the money upfront to make it into a great book. They're hiring editors. When you work with a traditional publisher, you don't pay anything out of pocket. It is all free. They pay you. So they will pay you in advance. And you can, there's so much information about that. That's pretty readily available on Google. But when you work with a traditional publisher, they pay you in advance and they design the cover and they do all the things and they take care of so much of it, which can be really helpful if you are someone who you're like, I don't know how to design a cover. I don't know how to edit a book. I don't know how to market. Well, they'll help you and they'll do that. And this is what they do for a living. Like this is their job. They know how to publish a book. They know how to create a cover. But then it can also limit you if you are someone like me, who's very picky in particular, who's like, no, I want my cover to look exactly like this or else. And they're like, we do this for our job. Would you please just let us create a cover? And I'm like, no, it has to be this way. So really there are so many things to think about in terms of how much control do you need over this? How big of a project do you want it to be? Do you want it to just be something that you're throwing together and selling on your website? There is definitely a time and place for that. I've bought books like that. Or do you want this to be like this book that you invest three years in and has to go under so much scrutiny, but then it's going to be in bookstores and libraries. And it's just so many things to think about as you pursue which one you might want to do. Right. That is so helpful to kind of hear the experience and process for each. And, you know, it sounds like with traditional publishing, it's like you have a team that's really coming alongside you. And so that that was fascinating to hear about the theological review in particular. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And then, yes, just like you said, those editors who are going to make sure that you're confident and solid in every paragraph that's that's in that book. That's pretty incredible. And you can do some of that on your own. I mean, nothing is stopping anyone from going out. I can go hire an editor. I can go hire a professional book designer. I can go do those things. But if I do that with a self-published book, that's a lot of money because it is thousands of dollars for each of those things often. If I am investing thousands of dollars in this self-published book, I don't know if I'm going to get that back. I don't know if my book, I mean, especially if you're a first-time author, you're just getting started. That's a big investment that you don't know. Like what if nobody buys your book? So if you work with a traditional publisher, you know that, okay, they know what sells and what doesn't sell. They are working with you. They are putting the money up to say, we believe in this book. We believe in you. We will help you to get there and help you to sell the books. So you don't pay for any of it up front. That's really nice. So beyond the publicist who's helping you to book podcast interviews, are there other marketing resources or different things that they're doing to make sure your book is really getting out there? Yeah, that's one of the really nice things about working with a publisher is that we have a whole team of people who work behind the scenes to take care of all of the things. So things that I wouldn't even think about. They're like, okay, now we need this thing. Okay, now we do need to do this thing. So for example, like the copyright page, I don't necessarily know how to write a copyright page. I've written some before. I can't promise you they're written exactly how they're supposed to be, but they have a legal team who looks through all the things. You know, if you use song lyrics or quotes in your books, there are legalities that you may need to know. I don't want to scare anybody away, but that's something that if you are doing this yourself, you're going to have to do a lot of Googling and hope you find good information, but they have a legal department. They have a marketing team. 
the publisher that I'm working with right now is David C. Cook, and they have a lot of connections with churches. So when I first signed with them, which hasn't worked out the way exactly how we pictured because of COVID, churches aren't meeting in person. So that, you know, hasn't been exactly the way we pictured, but usually in a normal year, they have relationship with churches. So they have contacts with women's ministry leaders who do book clubs and like Bible studies. So having all of those contacts and relationships, I can now get my book in places where I couldn't before. I'm going to have this book in, it's in Barnes and Noble. It's in all these other bookstores. I couldn't get in on my own, but they put it there. Also, I, and we can talk about this in a little bit as well, but I am throwing a online conference in order to promote the book, which just ended. And in order to do this, I am placing book orders through various bookstores and they have connections to all the bookstores. So they are going behind the scenes and talking with these bookstores and getting me like a coupon code for free shipping and all the kinds of things that help me to sell and push all of the books because they have all of the behind the scenes contacts. They have contacts with Amazon so that they can make sure that my book doesn't run out of stock. And that's something that I have people behind the scenes who can work on that I can know, okay, how many books did I sell? which you can find out with self-publishing, but I need the contacts with traditional publishing, but they can find out exactly how many books did I sell? How many books does Amazon have in stock? How can we manage the inventory? And all of these things behind the scenes that you wouldn't necessarily think of, and you may not need all of them for self-publishing, you can kind of figure it out, but it's just nice to have that team behind my back who are making sure that all of the logistics are taken care of. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So I would love to hear more about this online conference that you've done to help you sell more of your books. Yeah. So this has been so fun and I have a whole strategy with this as well. So with traditional publishing, the biggest thing, the publisher does help get the word out, but it does fall a lot on the individual person to market the book because Publishers, because there's so many people who want to publish a book, a publisher can look at two authors and they both have great ideas, but one has a huge platform and the other doesn't have a huge platform. I mean, who just, who are they going to work with? They're going to work with the one who has the bigger platform. That's just business. So it doesn't mean your book idea isn't a good book idea, but they want to know that they can sell books. They're a company They have to sell books in order to stay in business. So one of the things that I wanted to do this year in order to help me sell books, which this year I have heard publishing is a little bit more difficult with COVID and all of the things, but I'm like, okay, I want to make sure that I do really well. I want to pursue this with excellence. I believe in this book. I really want to get the message out. So one of the things that I wanted to do was to host an online conference. I've done one before in the past. So for this one, I was like, okay, I'm going to time this perfectly. So my online conference is going to be about two weeks before the book comes out. And here's what I did. I offered a free conference ticket so that anybody could come and attend the conference for free. When people purchased, well, I didn't purchase, when people signed up for the free ticket, they could get access to all of the online sessions for 24 hours. So I have well, including me, it was 20 of us. So 19 friends, I found 19 friends and other online people that I knew in this space that I believed would do a good job. I got us all together. We pre-recorded all of the sessions and I set it up all on my website. 
so that people could sign up. And then when they signed up for free every morning during the conference, they would get welcome to day one. Here's your link to go view today's videos. And then day two, welcome to day two. Here is your link to view today's videos. And all of the videos would expire after 24 hours. So people could watch them no matter what time zone they were in, but they're not going to last forever. So the reason that I wanted to do this for free was because I wanted to use this as something that would be very shareable. If I was saying, hey, you have to pay just to see it at all, people you know, people don't know me. My audience might love it and love the idea, but I wanted the conference to go far and wide. I wanted to bring in as many people as possible because I'm using this to market the book. So I want to get the word out. So I figure if I do a free conference, people are going to be way more likely to sign up because, you know, why wouldn't you sign up for a free conference, even if it's not that good, which it was amazing. But even <laughs> if it wasn't that good, like you have nothing to lose. It's a free conference. So sign up and people are more likely to tell their friends about it. If it was a $50 conference, are you going to go tell all your, your friends, Hey, you need to go spend $50. Well, no, probably not. But Hey, I just signed up for this free conference. Maybe you want to come too. It's free. Like, why not? Like, let's go sign up. It also made it easier for affiliates because they could share all of the speakers and we had other affiliates as well. We just reached out to people who we thought might do a good job and be interested and said, okay, will you tell your people this is an easy sell? It is a free conference. Like just send people our way and we will take care of the rest. The publisher that I worked with, which again was a great benefit of having a publisher. My publisher has an email list of people who buy Christian living books because they're a publisher and that's what they do. So my publisher sent out an email to their list of women's ministry contacts and churches and all of the people saying, hey, there's this free conference happening. You should come. That brought in a ton of people. I have a book agent who runs a blogger network where she has a lot of connections with different bloggers and influencers and authors. And she also agreed to send out information about it as well, which that was incredible. My publisher hired a launch team leader. So we have a launch team. So that was another platform that I could say, hey, here's another free thing for you. Come check it out. I have my email list, all the speakers, all the affiliates. So we are just, oh, I ran Facebook ads. We're just trying to get the word out there. Free conference, like come sign up. It's going to be amazing. So obviously that's not going to make a lot of money, but the idea from that part of it was just get the word out, get as many people as possible because every time people sign up, they go on my email list. So I just increased my email list by about 9,000 people just about, just by hosting this free conference. So right before my book launch, I just upped my email list quite a bit. But we didn't just offer the conference for free. We did that to get as many people in the doors as possible. But then we also added an all-access pass, which was a paid ticket. So if people wanted and had the funds, I mean, not everybody does, that's fine. But if people wanted to upgrade, then they could purchase the all-access pass. So the all-access pass includes a print copy of the book, as well as the ability to watch each of the videos for a year, plus entrance into, I have a membership community. So they got three months of that. And then they also got a ton of bonuses from the speakers. So my speakers were amazing and very generous. And they would say, Hey, I have this thing I usually charge for. You can include it in your all access pass for free. So my hope was that even if there were people who may not go rush out and buy the book, that when they see the book in terms of this huge bundle, and we sold them for around like 30 to $40, and that includes a print book with shipping, like that's a fantastic deal. I definitely 
underpriced it probably under what I should, but I was okay with doing that because I am trying to sell books and it worked really well. So a lot of people all came and signed up for the free conference. They showed up, they said, Hey, we're excited. Some people signed up for the all access pass right away because they knew like, this is an incredible offer. Yes, we want to take advantage of this. And then some people throughout the week when Monday sessions ended and it was Tuesday and they were like, oh no, I I wanted to watch that one from Monday and I missed out. Okay, great. I'm going to send you so many emails this week that are going to say, hey, I hope you're enjoying the conference. By the way, if you haven't upgraded to your all access pass this week, you should go do that. It's a fantastic deal. You get all the all of the things. So by doing that, I was able to sell nearly a thousand pre-orders of my book. Wow. Like yes. that. <laughs> that is way more than what I expected you to say. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I don't know what numbers are normal because the people don't really talk about it, but I know pre-orders are a hard sell. I know pre-orders are very important because pre-orders are what tell book sellers to have your book in stock and they count towards bestseller lists and all of the things. So in a time when the world economy is not doing that great right now. I don't know how much people are purchasing books. We were able to get a ton of people on the email list, get a ton of people buying the book as part of the all access pass. And even now, once the conference is over and right now, when we're recording, the conference is over and the book hasn't come out yet. I still have all of those people on my email list, even if they didn't pay all of the money for the all access pass. Well, Hey, maybe you still want the book. It's like half the price of the all access pass. If that was too much, but you want the book, I mean, you can still go get that. And I'm going to email you all about it. And then over the next, however long they're still on my email list, Hey, here's this other product that I have. Hey, here's this affiliate offer that I have. Hey, here's this other thing that I have. Or even if I want to pursue another book deal in the future, okay, now my email list is that much higher, which gives me that much more credibility with a publisher to get another great book deal. Right. That is amazing. I I love that strategy because I have to say, Brittany, at first I was like, oh boy, an online conference sounds like a lot of work. It is. But you were so strategic with it. Okay. I'm curious. What was the, I mean, I know generally what the theme of your online conference would be, but what was like the name and the. It was so unique. It was the 2021 Equipping Godly Women online conference. Okay. Gotcha. Really, It was not unique because the first time I did it, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I host this conference? There's so many details, so many like logistics, figuring it out. And I'm like, okay, I should think of a really catchy title, but I was like, you know what? I got nothing. We're just going to call it what it is. And that's just going to be what it is. And the point of that, why I want to share that is sometimes it can be so easy to get caught up in, oh, well, I can't do all of the things. There's too much. It's hard. Throwing an online conference is hard. Having this book is hard and all of the things and you can get so caught in the weed of all the details. You know what? Start with what you have. Like I don't have a fancy name for my conference, but that's cool because I still had a conference and we still sold lots of books. And for my first traditionally or my first self-published book, it wasn't very fancy at all. But you know what? I still have that self-published book and it still makes me money. And like, it still is what it is. And that's great. So you don't have to start with, okay, let's do it perfectly the first time. Start with what you have and you can always build from there. Right. That is such a good mentality to have. And I have to say, when you said a thousand pre-orders, I've heard a few really big influencers talk about kind of like their book pre-order goals. I would love any information because I don't even know numbers. Like I have no idea what's good or not. 
See, I think the most I've heard anyone talk about, and I'm saying these are goals that I don't think most people reach. And I'm talking about people with like millions upon millions of followers. Their goal would normally be like 10,000 pre-orders. That's a number I've heard before. So when you said a thousand pre-orders, like for, for your audience size and your, this being your first traditionally published book to me, that sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, we're talking people with millions of followers and they're thrilled when they end up reaching like 8,000 pre-orders, for example. So like, I just think it's incredible. I think, yeah. Yeah. I feel like pre-orders are so important, but as a consumer, I have don't know if I've ever pre-ordered a book because why would you? I mean, they're important to authors and publishers, but you could also just go buy the book when it goes on sale, or you could go get it at the library. And there's so many things that authors do in order to push pre-orders and I'm doing them too. I have pre-order campaigns there. We're going to have a book club in February with the book, which will be great because that will be another like time sensitive thing. Like you have to buy the book before the book club starts in order to join us and we'll all read through it together. I think that'll be a lot of fun and it gives them that deadline. But if people don't have the deadline or a very compelling reason that they have to do this now, then they're not going to because there's so many things every time we get online, there's a billion articles we could read. There's a billion Facebook ads in our newsfeed. There's all the products, all the things like why are they going to take action? on yours. So you have to give them a very compelling reason of this is going to be amazing. And so, hey, sign up for free because why not? And then, okay, hey, here's this bundle that we have for you that's so valuable, but the price doubles at the end of the week. So if you want it, like get it now. And that has just been so helpful to give them that deadline. You need to do it by now so that it gets them to take action. Right. And I have to say too, you're the first person I've heard about who made your book pre-orders part of this online conference bundle because I'm really used to seeing like, oh, here's my pre-order bonuses or whatever mm -hmm. that go with my book. But I mean, you're right. It's very, I'm so used to that now that it's easy to just, well, whatever, I'll get it later. I'll wait till it's on sale or wait till it's out. And like the bonuses typically, they might not interest me, but it's like you drew in people specifically for the conference but it's around obviously the same topic that your book is around, you know, being a godly woman, you know, Christian living, all of that. And so you drew them in for that. They couldn't resist getting that all access pass. And I don't know. I just think that is so smart. Okay. One thing I'm curious about logistics wise with that, did you have to go order all those physical books and then ship them yourself? Or how did that piece work? This was the most difficult part of the entire thing. And at the time we're recording, I am still very much in the weeds middle of this process. So there are several ways that you can do this. If you have a self-published book and you do this, it's pretty easy with a place like Amazon Print On Demand to go behind the scenes in your KDP account and order author copies and send them to people. You can do that. All you like. If you have a digital book, it's so easy because you can just literally send them a link. Like that is ideal. If it's something people want digital, send them a link. That is so easy. For me, because this was a traditionally published book, it is a lot more complicated. So I am not shipping them out of my house only because I don't want all of those books in my house. 
but also because I'm semi-anonymous online and I don't want to be shipping things from my own house and using my own address. And I just didn't want to do that. So what we are literally doing is we are placing orders through bookstores that we have contacted and the publisher has helped with this as well. But I've contacted these bookstores and I've said, hey, I have a conference. I have sold a lot of books, more than I planned to. Now we need to ship them. We would love to buy them from you, but we need some help to do this. And I tried very hard to find a place where I could just upload a CSV and they would ship all of them out and nobody could do it. I and my assistants, I do have help with this. I have a lot of help with this. We are going to be manually entering orders one by one. It's going to take a lot of time, but I feel like it's worth it because the alternative for me was if I had the conference and I sent them to Amazon, like, okay, hey, here's the conference. Now go buy this book. How many people are going to click through and actually buy it? And even if I send them to Amazon, they're going to get lost. They're going to be like, oh yeah, your book looks great, but oh yeah, here's this fedora I was going to buy. I don't know what they're going to buy. They're going to go buy other things. They're going to go buy other people's books. They're going to go, I mean, Amazon affiliate links would be cool. I'd make four cents when they go buy something else, but I wanted to make sure I'm doing this conference so they buy my book. Like, I don't want them to go buy, I mean, I do want them to go buy other people's books on another day, but like for now, I want them to go buy my book because I believe in it, because I believe in this message of fall in love with God's word that it will truly help people and I want them to have it. So for me, it was definitely more complicated. I want to encourage people, if this sounds way too much complicated and way too much work for you, like you don't have to start here. My first conference did not do this. But that's the strategy that I used this time, knowing that it would be a lot of work, knowing in advance, I didn't realize how much work it would be. I knew it would be a lot of work, but I knew that for me, it would be worth it because my goal was to sell books. And I didn't want the drop off that comes when you send people to Amazon to order it themselves. Yeah. I think that's really smart. Yes. It does sound like a lot of work. However, I was wondering as well, like, let's say you did go ahead and do some big bulk order from a bookseller and you just ordered a thousand books yourself. I would think that that doesn't maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but that feels like it wouldn't count as much versus all these individual orders coming in. So where that comes into play, that has to do more with the New York Times bestseller list. So if you are trying to, I'm not sure about some of the other main bestseller ones. If you are trying to hit New York Times bestseller, which I am not there yet, but that is on my life goals list, it would make a difference because the New York Times will place a dagger next to books that have had bulk orders. Mm -hmm. So for example, if there is a politician who wants to hit the New York Times bestseller list and they own an organization that just like buys thousands of copies of the book and they don't tell you how many you have to sell to qualify. But if they are bulk purchasing and like sending out to all of their constituents for free, because they're trying to hit the list, New York Times will put a dagger and say, hey, just so you know, like this number might not be accurate. And so they will give a warning and you want to avoid doing things like that. There was also an issue. You cannot order your own book straight on Amazon through the listing, which I did not know about until the day before the conference started, which created a ton of stress for me because that was kind of my plan. I was like, well, I'll go order them on Amazon. You can't do that because they're algorithm based. So it would count as manipulating the rankings. If Amazon sees that you just went and ordered 500 copies of your own book, they're going to say, you know, these aren't legit orders. We're not going to count them. And you can get your Amazon account banned and all of the things that were 
very much affecting my sleep this week as I'm trying to figure out, oh no, wait, I can't do this. Yeah, I can't do that. So it is not a problem though, to my understanding, to just go order books from bookstores because the bookstores that I have been working with, they want to sell books. We are dividing up the orders among multiple bookstores. And I mean, this isn't me like buying books, like my organization is just buying books and sending them to people who don't want them. These are people who want the book. They've bought, they've bought it. They've given me money and I'm just fulfilling their orders for them. So at this point, everything is looking good. Just a lot of work in between sending a few hundred orders to this bookstore, a few hundred orders to this bookstore but I really wish I could just upload a CSV somewhere. And if you have a church or an organization, like a physical place, they could do that. But because I'm sending them to separate individual addresses, I haven't found a way to do that. Right. That makes sense. Thank you for all that insider scoop. That is like just so interesting to know about how Amazon works and your Times bestseller list. So interesting. So Brittany, one of the things you mentioned as we were preparing for this interview was this strategy of combining both traditional and self-publishing to really build your business, maximize your profits. I would love to hear more about that. Yes. I'm so excited to be able to talk about this idea because this is a big reason why I decided to pursue traditional publishing in the first place. So traditional publishing has a ton of benefits. They will help you get greater reach. They will help you do all of the things. But for me, how I said earlier that I am not primarily an author, I consider myself primarily an online marketer. So yes, I do want to sell my book fall in love with God's word. And I want people to have it. I do believe it will change people's lives. But if all I do is sell them one book, I feel like I could serve them so much more. I want to do more for that community. And I'm able to do that with my email list. When people get on my email list, I can tell them about the book and I can tell them about our membership and all the you know courses and other things we have. And I can email them every week and I can tell them, hey, and that's one of my favorite parts about my job is to be able to email people every week and say, hey, what about this thing? Have you thought about this? Like, how are you doing in this area of your faith? Or let me send you some encouragement. I read this Bible story and let me tell you about that. And all of these different ways that I can be there for women and and just to model, because it started out with, you know, once upon a time, I was just like a young Christian girl who saw these Christian women and I wanted to be like that, but I didn't know how. And I saw these women and I was like, I can't imagine growing up and being this woman who's such an amazing Christian woman. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to get there. And so now I get to provide that for women. I mean, not that they need to be exactly like me. And that's why I have the podcast because I love saying, okay, here's how other women do it. And here's some other ideas. And that's why I love doing that. But to be that voice that says, oh, you have a question about this. Oh, I can help you with that. Like here's 10 tips on this. And here's five tips on this. And here's some encouragement here. And you can't do that as well with traditional publishing because if somebody walks into a Barnes and Noble and purchases my book and then goes home, like I don't, I mean, I give them what's in the book, but I can't follow up with them. I don't have their email address. I don't have any way of reaching out to them. So one of the things that I love about traditional and self-publishing is that it combines the benefits of both. So because I am working with a traditional publisher on my book, they are backing it and all of the things. However, I've been in talks with them from the gate and I said, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to self-publish a workbook alongside the book. So the book that we're talking about is Fall in Love with God's Word. And it is all about, first, how do you get started reading the Bible? What does that look like? Practically speaking, how do you, if you're busy, if you're tired? Um, for me, I was a young mom. I knew I should read the Bible. I did not feel like it always. I was not motivated. I was tired. I had other things going on. So, so many women say, I want to read God's Word more. I don't know how to get started. I don't know how to stick with it. So 
that's the first half of the book. And then the second half of the book is how do I put it into practice? So once I know how to read God's word, like, what do I do with that? How can I help this? How can this help change my life? Because what I found is so many people want to read God's word, but we're not doing it regularly. And the reason is because we view reading God's word as a checklist or obligation, something we're supposed to do. But what if we fell in love with God's word? What if we knew how to read it and we knew how to use it to change our lives? So all of that content is in the book. However, I bet you have done this too. I do this all the time where I read a book and I'm like, that is great information. This is really helpful. I should do these things. And then the next day I start the next book and I don't actually do anything from the book that I read. And so for this book, I'm like, I'm not just trying to sell books here. I want to help women fall in love with God's word. I want them to actually read their Bibles after having read my book or before, like that'd be even better. But I want them to do something about it. There's chapters in this book of how to overcome negative thought patterns. So if you are someone who is feeling constantly like I'm not good enough, I don't have what it takes, I'm a failure, or I'm too fat, nobody loves me, things like that, the Bible can absolutely help with that. But so many women are like, oh, well, I don't know, like, sure, read the Bible. No, in this book, I tell you, here's what you do, but I don't want you to just have the information. I want you to go do it and experience the amazing benefits that truly do come when you fall in love with God's word. So I talked to my publisher from day one and I said, okay, here's what I want to do. I want to have the book. It has all the information, but I also alongside of it want to have a workbook that walks people through that forces them to slow down a little bit. So they don't just read, oh, those are nice tips, but that they see, okay, this is what it looks like for me. So when I talk about, here's how you create a Bible reading routine, they're not just like, okay, sounds great. They're like, okay, for me, this is what this looks like. 8 a.m., 4 p.m. Okay. On the patio, at the kitchen table, and they're figuring out in my life, these are the exact thoughts that I struggle with. Here are the exact passages. Here is me actually going through the Bible and reading the passage, and here is how I do that. So I just feel like it's going to serve women so much better when they don't just read about it, they do it. So because I wanted to have the workbook alongside of it, I talked to the publisher at first and I said, okay. I really want to do this. If you are interested and you want to produce the workbook, I don't see a lot of them out there. A lot of times they will do in the Christian living space, they'll do like Bible studies alongside. This is not a Bible study. This is a workbook to get like worksheets and printables. And it's beautiful. Like if you want to produce this, you're welcome to like, I will sign it under you. But if you don't, I want to do it. And I had to tell them right up front because I mean, the book is copyrighted. I technically own the copyright, but there's like legal issues there with if I'm producing a book that very much mimics the book and walks them through it. So I had to be in conversation and they said, that's fine. You can self-produce the workbook. I was like, yes, great. This is amazing. So with the book, I got paid up front in advance. I got a very nice advance up front. They are doing the marketing. I mean, I'm helping a lot too, but like they have the marketing department and they have the publisher and they are the cover designer and they are doing all of the things and helping get the word out. But I have it. It is now I checked linked on Amazon. So when people get on Amazon to find the book, it also says, hey, people who buy this also bought the workbook. So my hope and I talk about it all. I my publisher is wonderful. They let me all in the book be like, okay, this is really great. And be sure to go check out that workbook so you can actually do this. And they let me get away with it. I don't know if every publisher will, but my publisher likes me. They know I get excited about marketing and they said, sure, go ahead. So in the book, I am saying, hey, 
go get this workbook. So now not only did I make the advance from the book and my publisher is helping me produce the book and get the book out. But every time that that book goes out, it's also spreading the word about the workbook. And because it is a self-published book, I make a lot more money now after the fact on the workbook. So with a traditional published book, you get the advance up front, but it is very common that you never see any money after that. I have heard from a bigger, well-known author who I believe is a best-selling author that most people do not ever sell out their book advance, which I had read online on Google, but I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably just like first time authors, you know, most people don't, but a person that I know was like, no, really, like, I don't know anybody who has ever sold out their book advance. And so you will not see another penny from that book after the fact it's all up front in the advance. So, okay, that's fine. But then having that self-published book alongside of it for the same one customer, now I have the potential to sell them two books. And with the self-published book, I did have to front some money up front, which I used my advance to do to be able to pay the editor and the cover designer and do all of the things. So I used that money to create the self-published book. But now every time that somebody purchased the self-published book, it cost me maybe $3 to produce on Amazon. And then Amazon takes a cut on top of that. But I make money right. when they buy the self-published book. And Another great thing, I know I'm so full of strategies. Another great thing that I did is, and it kind of worked out this way, the workbook is full of like printables that I would imagine some people might want to print out again and again. So for example, there is like a habit tracker and there are Bible journaling printables. So somebody, I do not care if they literally put it on a copy machine and they're for your own personal use, make as many copies as you want. Like this is your workbook, use it, scribble in it, do your thing. But they might want additional copies or maybe they just bought the digital version and now they want printable copies. And then the issue that we ran into is it costs a lot of money to produce a color book on Amazon. And I was not anticipating, like I can't, I want to so bad. I cannot sell a full color book on Amazon, like the interior color the book would be ridiculously expensive and I would make zero, even with it being ridiculously expensive. So I also put in the workbook, hey, sorry, this is all black and white, but if you want full color copies, go to my website, enter your email address, and you can download and print out as many copies as you want of all of these beautiful worksheets. And it doesn't include all of them because I didn't want people to just share the link far and wide. Now you just get the workbook for free. It's only like the printables. So the workbook has mostly worksheets, but then there's like printable pages that are meant to be like a standalone printable. So this way they are, and I have other resources that I mentioned in the book as like in the print book as well of, Hey, go to my website, go to my website, go to my website where you have all of these wonderful things. So then that's getting people on my email list. So even if they walked into Barnes and Noble and they bought my book off the shelf and they don't know me from Adam, then hopefully they come get on my email list. And then next year, when the next book comes out, because this is one of a two set series, when the next one comes out, they're on my email list. And I can say, Hey, by the way, I have another one coming out. You love the first one. Like, come get the second one too. So it just gives me more income because I'm doubling the income. Well, I don't know about doubling, but I am getting twice the income opportunity because I'm selling two books instead of just one. And I'm getting people on my email list and I'm serving my customers better. That's a huge thing too. Like it's going to be so much more helpful for them because it's not just a book. It's 
a workbook and it's printables and it's an email community and all of these things that I'm walking alongside women and saying, I want you to have this. I want you to do this and I will give you all of the things, but please like, don't just read a book, fall in love with God's word and use it to change your life. And I'm going to show you how. I love that so much. And okay. It's, it's really nice that it's a win-win. Like you are serving your customers so much better. You're helping them to take action instead of just reading. And it's nice that it's building your business too. I mean, I think those things should go together, right? The more we're able to serve our customers, the more our business grows and they work together. And I, I love that. I think too, now I've only, I've self-published one book along with my sister and that was years ago. So I don't know much beyond that, but even as a course creator, what I've noticed is to me, it might seem obvious to like, let me just do a video and a bunch of slides and that like the end, but the more you can provide those extra resources. So for you with the the workbook and the extra printables, it helps people so much. Like I think we take for granted that, you know, everybody cannot just consume something in one format and then be good to go and be able to implement that. So yeah, having resources in multiple formats for people is, is really big for. And I did that in the workbook as well. There are a couple of the worksheets where I was like, I don't feel like I can adequately explain how to do this exercise in the book without taking up like tons of space. And you don't want to spend all day reading about this thing. So I kind of mentioned it in the workbook. I was like, oh, Hey, here's an idea you could do. You could use like a schedule your day, like tracker kind of thing. Here's something you could do. And then here's the printable. And on the printable, it says for full written and video instructions, go to this link on my website. And then that's another way that they can go to my website where when they go to my website, it has the video of me like walking through here is step by step, like me filling this out. Here is what this looks like. Here is all the information I can give you on video. And then underneath is the sign up by email box where if you want to get this email or get this printable, you can sign up by email. And then I'm going to be sharing that on Pinterest, on Facebook, on all the other places. So if somebody else signs up for one of these printables, then they're going to go on an email marketing list. That's going to say, Hey, you got this one exercise. Just so you know, it comes from this companion workbook that goes along with this workbook or this book. And I'm going to tell you all about this book, because I think if you really liked this one exercise, you're going to like that. I have a whole book and workbook full of a lot more like that. And I'm doing that with a lot of the other just printables in the book that are more self-explanatory as well, pinning them on Pinterest and putting them on my subscriber freebie page. Hey, here is a printable like Bible verses, whatever Bible verse cards, like they're beautiful. You can have them. They're pretty self-explanatory what to do with them, but come get on my email list. And then if you like those, I'm going to tell you all about the book. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you are truly strategic with every little thing and it's amazing. And just what you were just talking about is it's almost like reverse marketing. Like, so you have the one angle where let me sell the book, my traditionally published book, and then we'll do the workbook and then we'll get you on my email list for extra resources. But, oh, by the way, I can take someone who just finds this one little resource and take them the other direction, like around the circle to your full book. So you're closing every loop, you're dotting every I, crossing every T. And I just think that's amazing. I'm I, trying to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I don't forget. I don't want people to get overwhelmed and be like, oh my goodness, all the things. You don't have to do all the things. I love marketing. I love doing this kind of stuff. I think it's really fun to figure out, okay, how can I get the word out there? How can I use what I have? How can I do all of these things? You do not have to do all of these things. You can do 
some things. But what I think really makes a difference is making sure that they are things that will actually benefit your audience. Because there are a lot of strategies out there where people, I've seen this strategy where people will say, oh, I'm going to upload, like throw together this really short teaser little ebook, and then I'm going to put it on Amazon and put it for free or like a dollar. And then people are going to say, oh my goodness, here's this book on Amazon for a dollar. Yes, I want to buy that. Like I can learn all about internet marketing. And all it is, is this just like PDF that somebody threw together and they say, hey, now go to my website and buy my whole full expensive course. And they use it as a lead magnet. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I've seen so many people do that in a way that did not serve their audience. They just threw something together. So you want to make sure if you are doing it, you are doing these kinds of things in a way that actually serves your audience, that is actually helpful for people, not just to, oh, here's something that I threw together that you're going to buy for a dollar and it's not actually valuable to you. Right. Everything is, even though there's a strategy, it's all, it all serves your audience. Just as you said, I think you're exactly right. That's so important. Whether it's a small piece over here, it's this one printable and this one thing, every single piece of what you're doing is helpful to your customer. So that's great. So, okay, Brittany, I feel like we've covered so much. That was amazing. Well, Brittany, this was amazing. And I know I'm going to have so many listeners reaching out to me to say, I'm so excited to get my book out there and market my book after hearing from Brittany. So thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. As we wrap up, do you have either a funny or an adorable mom moment to share? I think the most adorable thing that my kids have done lately is, and this sounds so cheesy, but because my kids know that I am writing a book on falling in love with God's word and that that's what I do. Like they know we've had many discussions of mom helps other moms love Jesus and be good mommies. And that's how I put it for little ones. But after the books arrived and we got the boxes, which was so fun, I got to open them up and my kids are right there. And I'm like, this is why I've been staring at my computer for hours. Like, here's a thing. Like I made this. But because my kids know that I'm writing a book about how to fall in love with God's word and how to read the Bible since it has showed up physically in our home. My kids have started on their own reading the Bible more. And I think that that is so adorable. When I walk in their room at bedtime and they're waiting for me to come in and give them hugs and kisses, and they're just sitting there reading their Bible, like their little kids' Bibles. I'm like, okay, it's time for bed. And they're like, let me finish this story. I'm reading about you know Jonah or I'm reading about whatever. And they're like, let me finish this page. And I'm like, sure, please. You can stay up as long as you want if you are sitting there reading your Bible. So... I don't mean to sound cheesy about that, but we have to remember that as moms, the work that we do online matters, not only for the women or men or whoever we serve in our audiences. My primary audience for equipping godly women is Christian women who want to be all in. But when we serve that audience, that also trickles down to our families as well. So your kids are watching you. They're seeing what you're doing. They're seeing what you value. They see that you work so hard for this thing and you are setting an example for them to follow as well. I love that so much. Well, thank you again, Brittany. And can you just remind everyone where's the best place for them to find you online? Absolutely. So the best place to find me in general is equippinggodlywomen.com. If you are somebody who is a Christian woman who you know you haven't been making your faith the priority that you know you want to, I help Christian women be all in in faith and family. And then if you want more information about my book, 
in particular, it is called Fall in Love with God's Word, Practical Strategies for Busy Women. And you can read the first chapter for free at fallinlovewithgodsword.com and get lots of additional other free resources. I have all the things on the website. So I would encourage you to check out either of those. I don't share a lot of marketing like things online, so I don't have anything like that. But if you happen to be a Christian woman who wants to be all in in your faith and love God's word, I have so many things for you on those websites. I love it. Thanks so much, Brittany. Thank you. 